What is up, everybody? It is me, Matt Wright, here for another fantastic episode of The Writer's Block on Muddied Waters Media. Um, thank you, Brian. We do have the best intro music. Um, first and foremost, allow me to thank the wonderful people at Siesta Cava siestacava.com for the cava that I am drinking on today's episode. If you have any cava needs, make sure that you go to siestacava.com for your cava. Uh, to them and to all of you for tuning in, I say Bula Vanaka. Uh, thank you to all of you who tune in. Thank you to everybody out there in, muddied, in the muddied verse. Uh, we definitely appreciate you uh, tuning in to everything that we do here. Uh, thank you to my parents. Thank you to the Narcissist's Cookbook for the intro music. Uh, if you like what you have heard, find him on uh, Apple Music, Spotify, pretty much anywhere music is uh, found uh, at uh, the Narcissist Cookbook. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you. Just thank all of you. Um, this episode is brought to you by the one, the only, the fantastic Mr. Joe Soloski for Pennsylvania Governor. He is the key to Pennsylvania's success. Uh, you, you are also brought to you by Nug of Knowledge. Nug of Knowledge. Because uh, here at Muddied Waters, we sell CBD. We sell smokables, y'all. Um, and apparently, the green one uh, isn't technically CBD. So you can... Take what you will with that. Uh, use checkout code SPIKE for 10% off and uh, get yourself your weed. 
this episode is also brought to you by the Gravy King. Uh, this episode is <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by Mudwater Coffee Alternative. Uh, it is a wonderful, tasty drink when you add a little honey to it uh, with fantastic customer service. And all they have in it is masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that is it. If you want to get off of coffee and switch over to a wonderful coffee alternative that will give you focus and energy, go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud. Uh, this episode is also ironically brought to you by Black Organic Coffee. That is spelled B-L-V-C-K. Black Organic Coffee for the best cold brew coffee around. Visit blvckbrews.com and use checkout code MW for free shipping. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle-related caucus in the entire universe. If you want to become a member of the Waffle House Caucus, go to muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store and get yourself a Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button. And if you want to be a voting member, pick yourself up a t-shirt. Um, and this episode, much like all the others, is brought to you by this guy, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Even though we don't do the anchor call-in moment, all episodes are brought to you by this man. Uh, again, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I have a fantastic guest. She is running for lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, uh, the same place that Joe Solosky is running for uh, governor in. I'm very excited to have on. Ms. Nicole Schultz. Nicole, thank you so much for tuning in, for uh, being here. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing really very well. How are you today? I am doing well. I, I'm mildly frazzled today from, uh, I'm not even going to say how my day started because nobody without kids would understand and anybody with kids would feel bad for me. Um, so it was just, there was a mess of epic proportions upon waking up that I was not ready you for. You can only complain if you've changed your clothes five times because of the kids in one hour. Fair. I have not had to do that yet. <laughs> I have not had to do that yet. Uh, but goals. <laughs> parenting, step-parenting goals. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, so, thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. So one of the questions that I like to ask anybody that comes on um, comes on the show, especially when they're running for office, how is it that you found libertarianism or the Libertarian Party? What made you, What did you have an aha moment or were you just kind of, you just knew? I was kind of a slow learner. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm one of those. I kind of, um, I was always a libertarian, just didn't know it. Right. Um, I grew up in a very democratic family. Um, so I always thought that's what I was growing up in school. Um, we touched on politics a little bit, um, but I kind of never fit in either side. Um, you know, when you're young and you follow what your parents tell you and you do, you, you know, you follow those goals. Um, it wasn't until I started paying attention to who was in office and what they were going for and what what rights of mine they were taking away that I realized, okay, this isn't right. Um, I'm not part of this party because I don't believe in what they're doing. 
Um, and when other people pointed out, well, those are libertarian values, then it was like, okay, well, let's look into the libertarian party and see what they have going on. And I kind of found my home. Um, right. Didn't realize that I had been missing my home, but I found it. So now I'm here. Yeah. And I, a lot of us, many, many people across all of America and probably the globe, they follow whatever their parents are. They're Republicans because their parents were, they're Democrats because their parents were, whatever. Um, and a lot of a lot of libertarians, for the mo- for the most part, some of the younger ones that I have met, um, they've been coming up saying, "Oh, my parents were libertarians, and I just really believe in freedom, and I'm a liberty baby." And I'm like, "Wow, that's weird." Um, I grew up, I grew up not that, and thinking that we could should just bomb every other country. Um, well, and what's what's weird is like all of my brothers and sisters, you know, they're they're like, "Well, this is what we believe. This is what we want." I'm like, they're all pro-life i'm Mm pro-choice so i am like the black sheep of the family when it comes to all of this because i'm like no 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 you don't have a right to tell somebody else what they can do with their body no not buying that so let me get this straight you grew up in a in a democrat household and they're pro-life yes because my mom's roman catholic Mm. okay that that makes sense i was like i'm not seeing this connection here because yeah, no, my mom is, my mom was Roman Catholic, so so yeah. Okay. So you have you have not only the democratic side, then you have like the Roman Catholic oppression going on. So where do they cuz cuz I mean it's kind of a weird dichotomy there, but I mean, where do they stand on like gun control? Cuz many of um, the people who are pro-life are typically pro-gun. So we Never. My dad had a hunting camp and we would go there all the time. My dad would go hunting. My dad had um, guns. But it was never really talked about in okay. the house. Um, I, I, I think the whole hunting camp thing for men is just to go up and drink beer and hang out with their buddies. And if somebody actually gets a deer, they get a deer. Right. If, you know. Um, did my dad... My dad didn't really... Um, show us how to use guns. I didn't really start learning that until I was married. And then, you know, then it was like, this is, this is what we do on weekends. We go shoot guns. Okay. Okay. You know, there are much worse ways to spend a weekend though. Uh, There are. (laughs) Yeah. I, when I was growing up, we were pro gun all the way. Like my dad, we should be able to have guns. We should be able to have guns. Um, and I'm not really sure if he was like, oh, but you shouldn't have machine guns. I think he was probably more, we should have guns, bad guys shouldn't have guns. Like, there should be no restrictions on us, just bad guys shouldn't have them. Um, which I don't agree with at all, but that's just who he was. But we never grew up with guns. I didn't fire a weapon until I joined the military. And when I joined oh. the military, that was when... Um, that was when I started, that was the first time I held a gun. That was the first time I fired a gun and I fired a lot of them when I was there. And, uh, that was great. Uh, best thing about it actually. And, um, standing there at 17 years old, holding a live grenade, terrified, like I'm going to throw this and I'm going to blow something up. This is going to be amazing. Um, but for the most part, uh, my family were, were 
my family's Republican. Um, my si- my little sister and I have split. I'm libertarian, and she went the other way, and where she doesn't believe in anybody's freedoms at all. Um, and so, like, we definitely split off some while everybody else in the family has stayed pretty staunchly on that Republican side. Um, people are drawing things in our comments, and it's very strange. Uh, I keep looking down, I'm like, what is this? Um, so, right now, like, the major issue that everybody's talking about, of course, the it's been such a massive part of our lives for the last year is coronavirus, um, Mm -hmm. COVID. So I know what it's like here in Florida and I know the stats kind of nationwide, but what's, what's going on with that in Pennsylvania? So our lovely governor shut the state down. Um, we're still not completely open. Um, the two weeks to slow the spread turned into, oh, probably a good four or five months. Um, restaurants were just able to open at half capacity, and you're actually allowed now to sit at the bar and drink. Um, that just started April 4th. <laughs> like, a, a, a year and two weeks after two weeks to slow the spread. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're still not fully open. Like, um, my personal business... Uh, we rely on trade shows. Trade shows, they're not open yet. Um, we can't even have any shows at the farm show complex right now because they have a stock. That's where the stockpile of PPP, PPE is. Right. So they have that filled, apparently, with the protective equipment, and um, we can't have trade shows there. Um, we are actually um, – farm show is having a um, – uh, food truck outside, so they are actually trying to do something. Um, but even when we would try to get permits for outside, like to close down streets or whatever, to do parades or to, um, we do a Christmas in one of the towns out here. We shut the whole town down. We have um, vendors at different locations. Everybody comes in and shops, and you couldn't get the permits to shut the streets down. <laughs> like we're outside. Um, one of our, um, our, one of the car shows up here, Carlisle car shows, um, actually sued the state and they were able, or the state sued them. Let me get that right. Mm. Because people will say, that's not what happened. (laughs) The state sued them because they were opening up and they were having the car shows. Um, and Bill Miller and his crew were like, yeah, no, we're fighting this. And they did. And they won. Um, the state wants to play it like they won, but it was kind of like, um, we have, they have, um, the amusement park tax that they have to play, pay every year. And they probably pay a pretty penny for it. Um, and they were like, well, no, if you're letting Hershey park open and all of the other amusement parks open, we have that, we should be able to open too. Um, so they got lucky. They had a judge that understood what was going on, and the judge pretty much told them, you guys need to figure this out or you're not going to like my response. Um, you're not going to like my judgment. Um, so then the, um, the state was like, okay, well, you're outside. You're limiting. 
you know, the capacity of people coming in, you've got hand washing stations, you have hand sanitizers all over the place. I guess we'll let you open. But it pretty much came down to, um, they, they tried to say that um, they were a, um, a gathering instead of a business. And they're like, well, if we're a gathering, then we want all of our tax money back. Right, yes, absolutely. So, uh, so we do have some businesses fighting it, Good. but you have to have the money to do so. Yeah, and so here in Florida, we didn't really shut down. Like, places shut down and counties shut down places. But, like, as a state, as a whole, we didn't. Um, And our governor, DeSantis, recently came out and he said that we would not be accepting any vaccine passports. He was banning them. Um, Right. Tom Wolf, who is the Pennsylvania... He's Pennsylvania governor? Yeah. Tom Wolf. Where do you think... I think I know where he's going to stand on this, but I figure I'm going to ask anyway. Where do you think he's going to stand on... uh, So... He's an idiot. <laughs> and he's probably going to say that we need to have the vaccine passports. Um, that was my guess. Yeah. He's come out and said that if they put the legislation on his desk, he would sign it. Um, not sure how well that's going to go over with the Pennsylvanians. Right. Um, it's even though... So the weird thing about Pennsylvania is if you look back through our governors, we do two terms of each. So we'll do two terms Democratic, and then we'll do two terms Republic, and then we'll do two terms Democratic, and we swap back and forth. Um, But there are a lot of Republicans in this area, and there are a lot of people who don't wear masks now. Um, they are staunch. I'm not doing this. I, if you want, if you want me in your business, you're going to open up. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm, you know, telling them that they have to have a vaccine passport. It's not going to go over well. Right. Um, I know our Republican or the state, um, Congress is mostly Republican, um, and they've tried to impeach him a few times or put it, tried to pass legislation to get him out. Okay. We'll see. Are they going for impeachment or are they trying to do like the Gavin Newsom recall? They're going, from what I've seen, they're going for impeachment. Okay. Well, so I, I think they're, I'm not sure what grounds they're trying for this time. Um, I mean, when so when it comes to Republican governors, because really they're all pretty much the same. Um, like DeSantis is kind of his own little gem of he's a Trump Republican, but he cares about liberty more than most. So I can I can I can tolerate a lot of what he does because of other things. Um, but when it comes to Republican Republican governors, they are exact like. The difference in it is so minute that you don't really notice that, like, you don't really see any real change, which, like you said, you do two terms Democrat, two terms Republican, two terms Democrat, two terms Republican. And in those two terms Democrat, all the Republicans will be saying that the Republican did it better and, but nothing ever changes. Nothing ever changes. It just, like, you might get slight waves of difference between the two and, but nothing ever changes. So when you're going after 
when you're going after the governor to impeach him, there's always something you can go for. You just know that that just opens it up for your guy next time. Right. Well, and that's what you got to be careful with because, the, you know, it, it depends on who's holding, who has the most power, whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans. If you're the opposite and you're in charge, they're coming after you. Right. Um, it, 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 and it really doesn't matter what you do or what you say. They'll find something. They always do. Um, what's funny with ours, though, is <laughs> with the whole uh, mail-in voting, yeah. it was our Republican-held House that voted for that, that put that in. And they're, then they're, like, throwing it all on the governor, saying it was his fault. And everybody's up in arms about all the mail-in voting. It's like, wait, the Republicans voted for this. They wanted this. You can't complain. So, yeah, I didn't even think, I didn't even, like, there was no way I would have looked into, I mean, why would I have looked into why Pennsylvania had mail-in voting for this? But, yeah, if the Republican House passed it, if they're the yep. they are equally to blame as the governor who signs it. Yep. That, yeah, you can't so really. That's, that's that's how crazy our state can be at times. That, yeah, and that makes perfect sense for Pennsylvania. Uh, I was telling you right before the show, I used to go, I used to live just outside of D.C. and would go to Philadelphia a lot. And I, I loved Philadelphia when I was young and uh, not bright. And, um, but then as I grew up, I kept wondering why I enjoyed going there so much. It's packed, it's crowded, it's expensive, and, you know, like, where, anywhere I would but go. But there's so much history there. There is so much history there. That is true. And I was at an embarrassing age when I realized that that is not a statue of uh, Ben Franklin on top of the Capitol building, but it is a statue of William Penn. Oops. Yep. Did you go to the Eastern State Penitentiary while you were there? Not soberly. <laughs> it is one of the oldest prisons um, in the country, which and it's pretty neat. Um, we have had some pretty interesting people locked up in there, including Al Capone. Um, if you actually go and visit, you can see Al Capone's cell, and they have his bed and all this stuff in there, so you can actually see what it looked like when he was in prison there. Oh, that's that's actually really cool. My, it is really cool, and they do ghost tours through there, too. That's really cool, yeah. Anytime I've gone to visit my sister, we've gone to uh, look at, um, like, the Mudder Museum. I think it's the Mudder Museum. I love the Mudder. Yeah, we go there We go there pretty much every time, and it's great. It, it, it's Every time I've been there, it's been fantastic. I, I think I saw the Bodies Museum, that, or the Bodies Exhibit there, and mm -hmm. um, they did this one on Spotify. Like, they had, like, sports and games, and it was all video games from, like, the 70s on. And my nephew and I went, and all we did was play video games for, like, five hours. And uh, they had, like, a pitching machine that you could go and, like, just sit there and hit balls. And it was, it was like, every time I've been there, it's been a blast. And um, just to the Mudder Museum. But and I'm sorry, the cheesesteaks are overrated. Um <laughs> Did you go to Gino's or did you go to the other one? Uh, Pat's or Gino's? I've been to both. Like, I've, I've been you to... You didn't like either one? I mean, they're kind of flavorless. They're... Ooh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Philly cheesesteaks are kind of flavorless. You can get Ooh. them better at 
someplace not in Philadelphia because they use seasoning and not cheese whiz. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I I have to be honest and say that I've never been to either one. Okay. Um, we don't eat out much. Sure. Um, I grew up in a family that it has been um, in catering and in the food business my entire life. So pretty much if it comes out of my kitchen, it's probably better than any restaurant you've ever eaten in anyway. That's so fair. why go? That's fair. Uh, super fan Sarah Andreg, my, my wonderful uh, girlfriend. Um, she is one of the best cooks I've met in my life. And she's like, let's go out to dinner. And I'm always thinking in my head, or you could just... Yeah, we can go out to dinner, I guess, if that's what you, you want. You sound like my husband. I'm like, I don't want to cook tonight. Let's go out. But, but you, you, so you do it you do you it so it. well. You do it so well. And, like, Sarah will use, like, she'll go out and she'll buy, like, the, like, if I go shopping, I'll go to just your regular grocery store and just grab whatever GMO-related stuff that there is. Um, you know, just, it's cheap and there's a lot of it, so let me just grab that. But she'll grow out and she'll get, like, the uh, organic fruits and vegetables and other foods that I don't eat and make me eat them. Um, but that I being... I my backyard and picked them. Yeah, see, and she wants to do that. She wants to do that. Uh, and she's growing a small garden in the backyard right now, and she can't wait to make me eat a tomato. Um, oh, a fresh tomato right off the vine. There's nothing better on the planet than that. I... I you apparently have never had a cheeseburger without tomato on it because that is so much better. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I was reading today is that uh, Pennsylvania, speaking of organic foods, Pennsylvania is number one for mushroom production. Yes. The one thing I'm allergic to is the number one product. You're in allergic to mushrooms? <laughs> yes, I am allergic to mushrooms and seafood. So. Wow. I am the worst Italian ever. Wow. I uh, I have told so many people that having... No, allergies to onions are made up. Allergies to mushrooms might be real. They are. Okay. It is real. But yeah, Pennsylvania is number one in mushrooms. Um, they have been number one in mushrooms for the last, I think, seven years. Okay. So it is our, it is our number one product. Which I thought apples would be because... We're really, we have Adams County, which is like apple orchards everywhere. Um, so I thought apples would be our number one, but no, it's mushrooms. I was, I was shocked. I was surprised where you were in a uh, dairy. Yes. We're fifth in dairy, fourth in dairy. Fifth or fourth. Yeah. I was going to say it's fifth or fourth. And I, I thought that you would be like one or two, honestly. Well, I figured you'd be we like two. fifth in fifth. dairy. Yeah. I thought you'd be in like top three. Yeah. For dairy. Um, but yeah, the some of the well, cheese that comes the out of Pennsylvania. Dairy farmers in Pennsylvania, though, they have so many restrictions on them. Um, they have so if they have um, a bottling company that they sell their milk to or whatever, um, or they can only sell to one company. They can't sell to multiple companies unless they have two separate sets of milking equipment and two separate sets of cows, which is really stupid. Why do we have that? Um, so that sentence they, actually gave me Tucker Carlson face, and I don't, I don't like that. I know, isn't <laughs> that stupid? Like, what? so if they they can't compete with other companies, so like if it's a farm that Land Lakes gets all their milk off that farm, 
only Land O'Lakes can get that that milk. They can't be like, okay, Land O'Lakes gets it this day, Dannon gets it this day, this bottling company gets it the next day. Um, so yeah, that that's stupid and needs fixed. Yeah. Um, the I was actually talking to a dairy farmer not too long ago. And I asked him how they come up with the price of milk because I was curious. I'm like, that's one thing I don't know. How do they figure out the price of milk? And he sent me the formula that he's figured out that they use to figure out the price of milk. And I looked at this formula and I'm like, what is this? Because this is, it's not algebra. It's not calculus. It's kind of a mix of, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, how do you figure out the price of dairy? And he's like, he goes, it's really weird you know it's like it's the weight of this plus this plus this and i'm like oh my god this makes no sense that it it absolutely makes no sense how they come up with the price of dairy in pennsylvania okay so i was gonna say is that just is that just pennsylvania or is that like a nationwide so i'm not sure i didn't ask him that okay i probably should have my bad um i'll get back to him i like I told him that I would contact him again after I, like, had a list of questions to contact him back and be like, okay, now I have more questions because we talked for a good two hours and I was, like, taking notes and writing things down. And I'm like, okay, I got to look into this and I got to look into that. Um, So that'll be one of my questions when I go back to him and be like, okay, is this just in Pennsylvania or is it all over? Um, Because dairy is not only statewide, it's nationwide, and then it's worldwide. Right. So it depends on, I guess, where, who their company is that they that they supply their milk to. Okay. But in Pennsylvania, they also have this twenty-five cent tax that's on milk. So what's weird about this tax is it doesn't go to the state of Pennsylvania. You would think a tax would go to the state of Pennsylvania. Who who does it? Who does the tax go to if not the state? The company that produces, that bottles it or manufactures it. So instead of a tax, so it's like it doesn't like a, go to the farmer. It doesn't go to the state. It goes to the company. So if so, Linda it's like a bottling work, fee. Yes. Okay. But if the milk comes from PA, goes to New Jersey, and then comes back to PA to get sold, that money goes to New Jersey doesn't even stay in PA. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to like, so I have a friend who um, I knew in Nashville when I lived there and his dad owned a, uh, a, a dairy farm in Northern Illinois, just outside of uh, Wisconsin. And if he had told me anything like that sentence that you just said, about dairy, I never would have asked him another question about dairy ever. Well, so let's say their corporate headquarters are in France or England or wherever. Right. That's where that money goes. So, okay, so it's where the 25 cents per bottle, per container, I guess, I don't know, yep. um, goes to wherever the company is. So if it's mm-hmm. in New Jersey, it goes to New Jersey or if the company is owned by somebody in England or wherever it goes, the money goes there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So- sometimes, 
So um, from what I understand, some of those companies will give it back, give some of it back to the farmers. Um, but they have their own formula that they use to give it back to the farmers. And that's not even. Um, <laughs> if it's if it's anything like it's not the, equitable, I was going to say, if it's anything like the formula that they use to figure out the price of milk. There's no way anybody yeah. would figure it out. Yeah. No, it's 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 yeah, it's not equitable amongst the farmers. Right. So Yeah, uh Sean Orton in the comments sounds sounds like something that benefit benefits some cronies part of the good old boys club. And yeah, that's what this sounds like. It sounds like it was a tax that was put in in order to help benefit probably one or two companies that were friends with somebody in the legislature. And yeah. now it helps out other companies, but not as many as it could help out farmers by saving them 25 cents per. Well, yeah. Why aren't we just giving that back to the farmers? Cause they could use it. Right. Especially, especially now when you've, like you said earlier, you've closed down farmers markets and open air markets and things like that. So they aren't able to go out and sell their wares, their goods, their foods, their crops. Well, even with the restaurants closed, you know, some of these farmers um, delivered directly to the restaurants and yeah. that market is dried up. Well, it's dried up for now. It's going to come back. But it doesn't help when you have um, milk that needs to go to schools because what happens is that there's a supply for the grocery stores and then there's a supply for restaurants and schools and stuff like that. There are two different food chain supplies. So if you're selling to a grocery store, you're fine. But if you're one of the people that your milk was supposed to go to a restaurant or a store, they were the ones dumping their milk. Right, because they had no place to go. Right, because nobody nobody was in the store to buy it. Nobody was in the restaurant or the schools. Right, yeah, the restaurants, yeah. And because of that stupid law where if you sell to this manufacturer, you can't sell to another one unless you have a separate set of equipment, a separate barn, and separate cows, it's not like they could be like all of a sudden, oh, well, we'll just sell to the stores now too. They can't because of that stupid law. So. And that that is so bizarre. So, like, if I'm selling to Chili's, I don't know. If I'm selling to Chili's and I want to sell to, I wouldn't sell to Applebee's, uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, and I want to sell to Buffalo Wild Wings and Chili's. I wouldn't be able to do that unless I had a separate farm with separate cows and separate milk, milking equipment. It doesn't have to, to be a totally separate farm. They, the animals have to be separated. Or so barn, um, barn, not farm. You probably just split your barn down the middle, and certain cows are on this side, certain cows are on this side. You have milking equipment on both sides. Those cows can't interact or can't meet. So it's like um, chilies. You can't interchange the milking equipment, and you can't interchange this the um, silo or the containers that the milk is stored in. So doesn't that kind of give chilies like some sort of ownership right on my cows? I mean, theoretically, like that, theoretically, yeah. th theoretically, like, I don't think that they'd be able to take them in a lawsuit, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it kind of sounds like, no, Chili's owns those. You can not use them for anybody else. Yeah. Well, and here's another thing that we I found out talking to him. You know how your dairy hat says grade A, grade A on it? Yes. So that's done by region and they pick so many farms to go and check out and they do their walkthroughs and they you know test the milk and everything and if the five to ten farms that they pick are all crappy farms 
and it lowers the grade of milk, everybody in that region gets lowered. So you can have the best milk on the planet, but as long as they tested five crappy farms that don't have the best milk on the planet, you just lowered your grade of milk and your milk is worthless because they tested those five farms in the region. Wow. That's like, so like what I was saying to you before the show and I was in uh, doing real estate, there'd be appraisers that would go around and they would compare houses and mm -hmm. especially during like the short sale market and the foreclosure market, you would be selling a house and act like a house that somebody still lives in and they unfortunately needed to move for whatever reason. And they're doing it, not a short sale, not foreclosure. Uh, you know, they got transferred or they need to move up because of baby, whatever, um, or down because children all moved out, whatever. Um, the appraisers would go out and their house is going to be worth less than what it actually is worth because of the houses that are being foreclosed and short sold and all that around them. So, these farmers, these 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 farmers are being victims of other people not taking care of their stuff, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so you know, we we rely on our farmers to feed us, and this is how we treat them. That's that actually makes a lot of sense for America. Um, now. You're a libertarian, so um, I know that you probably subscribe to the non-aggression principle. Um, but on your website, it says that you want to wage war against the spotter, spotted lantern fly. Okay, so, yeah, we're not aggressive, but when it comes to the spotted lantern fly or it comes to certain bugs, you have to, you, you have no choice. You just have to go kill them or they're going to kill off all of our plants. Um I don't even know I, what this is. I just saw it and I thought okay, so that was a great joke. So the spotted joke. lantern fly is an invasive species. It came from China. China. Over on a boat. China. <laughs> and I kind of hate saying that because, you know, everything here lately has come from China. But right. it's true. It came from China. It's, it's, it's the Chinese bug. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just the other one. Right. Um. So the spotted lanternfly lives off of the fruits and certain trees. Okay. Um, its favorite tree is the tree of haven, which um, was brought over long time ago from China. And um, so if you have one of those trees on your property, you are asked to cut it down and destroy it. Um, make sure that you get the roots because that thing will just keep popping up no matter what you do to it, unless you get all the roots out or kill it, you know, chemically. Um the spotted lanternfly pretty much just eats the sap out of the trees and out of the fruits and kills them. Um, if they actually, they leave a mold onto the um, fruits that leave, th that render them useless, you can't use them. Um, and it has created so much damage in Pennsylvania. Um, if you are in a quarantine zone for the spotted lanternfly, you're supposed to check your vehicle before you leave and go into one of the other areas to make sure that you're not carrying the bug even further. Wow. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I'm so areas of, very worried about this bug. So far, I have not seen it on my farm. Some areas of I Pennsylvania have, are in, like, double quarantine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in super secret quarantine. 
Yeah. Um, we actually, if you um, are an over-the-road driver um, or if you're in the trucking industry, you actually had to go through training and you actually had to get certified um, to teach you how to check your vehicle to make sure that you're not transporting this bug. It doesn't fly. It hops. Um, it's a very pretty bug. Well, um, at least it's got that going for them. It's got that going for it. That's nice. But, yeah, so uh, we, we need to get that under control. Um, one of our – we are fifth in the nation for grapes, and we are seventh in the nation for winemaking. And one of the favorite things of this bug is grapes. Wow. So, yeah, this bug is detrimental to the yes. economy. <laughs> yes. It, it could really kill us because if it kills the grapes um, – if I'm growing grapes myself, depending on what kind of grapes you get, it takes anywhere from two to five years for the grapes to grow back and for you to be able to get enough from the vines to, you know, do your wine or jams and jellies in our case. Um, so I can't go five years without grapes. Right. I, people scream because I'm out of, you know, when I run out of, apricots they're like what you don't have apricot jam i want apricot i'm like sorry sorry i'm out <laughs> I, I don't have it don't right. have it and if i showed up to um and just so everybody knows uh you have a farm called uh ugly acres i do yes so just so everybody knows she makes her own uh she has a farm it's called ugly acres and you guys make what is it again you make jams and jellies and marmalades and things and as yes a, we oh. use the fruit from our farms to make jams and jellies um we also have fudge and toffees and peanut brittles mm, now you're talking my language right there um <laughs> peanut brittle or cashew brittle because we have both um pe peanut only peanut only peanut only i don't eat any other nut okay yeah i don't know why i'm weird um so Switching gears a little bit, um, another thing that uh, you guys are really good at is uh, taxing gas. Yes. You guys have the highest gas tax in America. Isn't that great to be notarized for that? You know, it's like, come what on. Was, what was more surprising was that Hawaii had the, I think Hawaii had the lowest. Yeah, but, Hawaii has the lowest. Yeah. Either that, it was, they either had the lowest gas tax or the lowest property tax. I don't remember which one. But, uh, I think Hawaii has the lowest property tax. Yes, Hawaii has the lowest property tax. I still have that we, open. Yeah, but which that also surprised Wolf me. Wolf is supposedly going to get rid of the um, gas tax, and now he's just going to change the tax structure completely. And um, I think personal income tax is going to be like four point seven percent now, but only for people that make. Um, certain amount of money so there's like he's got they just sent out like this whole scale of who's going to pay what and pretty much the middle class is going to get stuck with all of the tax bills and we're like but wait a minute you know we're barely making it as it is and he's like well you know you're the you're the percentage that's making out here and like don't know how we're making out don't know how we're making out you've made it impossible for us to sell our goods at open store open air markets right um so uh yeah it says that your highest gas tax sixth highest property tax and from my time hanging out in uh southeastern pennsylvania there seems to be a toll booth um on every corner 
that's only in Philadelphia because because the turnpike runs through it. Fair. It just seems like every time I went there, is stopping every two minutes to give more money to Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's Philadelphia for you. So, um, so but they actually wanted to. There are like seven bridges, I think. It was seven that they decided that they wanted to put a toll booth or some type of toll booth on these seven bridges that people you would have to pay a dollar to go across the bridge to help pay for the infrastructure to fix the bridges. It's like, wait a minute. That's what the gas tax was for. Right. That's what the PA toll road was for, you know, the turnpike. You were supposed to take money from the turnpike and the tax, the gas tax and fix these. So what'd you do with that money? Well, they sent it to the state. They state police got some of it. Um, Department of Corrections got some of it. I'm like, mm, if we're saying that we're going to tax this because we need to fix this, then that is what we should be doing. And and that is a major issue that you see from local, state, federal, every you know every area of government. You see that a lot. Where uh, Social Security is a great example. Where you know that's for our retirement, or you know it's a great Ponzi scheme however you want to put it. Um, and they're like, yeah, we're going to put this into this account for you. It's not going to earn interest. And, you know, when you get old enough, you can start pulling this money out. Um, but then they started saying, well, we have this bank account filled with all of this money that we're just going to borrow from. And you see that uh, with gas taxes or tolls or whatever, they get all of this money. And then they're like, okay, well, we have this surplus of money from the gas tax or the tolls, uh, what? but we don't really need this much money to do the work. What are we going to do with it? And then they give it to other places, and then they then get a shortage because they've just been siphoning from that one coffer for so long that when it comes around and you're like, oh, well, now we need to fix the bridge, that's okay. We'll add another tax. Yep. And Well, and what's funny is Pennsylvania doesn't have a revenue problem. We have a spending problem. Right. You know, they just... I, I, I'm not even sure where they spend this. I When I was looking at some of the stuff that was going on, I saw that we lost a billion dollars or maybe $2 billion on the retirement fund for the teachers because the investment firm that we used didn't pull out. They knew the stock was going down or whatever, and they didn't pull it out fast enough, so they lost all that money. Well, then they had to put that money back in there because – that's the retirement fund for the teachers. It's like, well, why are we paying an investment firm to do this when they're not doing the job properly? Right. Find somebody else to do it. And so somebody else who didn't do the job properly was, uh, well, probably your entire legislature. I'm not really sure who did this. But you guys got $108 million from the CARES Act. Uh-huh. And, and gave it to the Department of Corrections? Yep. And you gave it to the Department of Corrections. That was Wolf. Okay. He did that. I was like, I'm not there really sure who budget. was in charge of that decision. There was a budget deficit. So so part of what happened there was um, part of that money was supposed to go to people who needed the rent or the mortgage relief. Um, and it came down from the feds, and they had their own stipulations to it. And then Pennsylvania added all this other crap to it. Um, part of it was that you had to prove that you were on unemployment. Well, at the time, and still, the unemployment system 
was so screwed up that people were filing for unemployment. They were being denied. They obviously were um, in need of it. They were. They should have gotten it. You shut them. You shut everybody down. Nobody can work. We should have all been able to collect unemployment. They go to collect unemployment. Their claims are denied. Um, they have to go through. They have to jump through hoops. They have to go through court hearings and stuff like that to try and get their unemployment. Well, part of the um, money for the rent rebate and the mortgage rebate was you had to prove that you filed for unemployment and that you were receiving unemployment. Well, these people couldn't do that because they were denied and they're still fighting to get it. There are still people fighting to get it. Um, another thing that they had to do was the landlord or the mortgage company had to agree that $750 a month was perfectly okay and that's all they were going to get. So if your rent or your mortgage is $1,400, there the state's offering $750, you take it or leave it. Nobody's going to agree to that, they, you know? No. Why would you? So nobody's, nobody's qualifying for this relief that's out there. And then Wolf was like, well, we've got $108 million over here sitting that nobody's used because nobody needs it. We'll just take it from there and we'll just put it in the Department of Corrections because we've got a budget deficit over here and we need to fill this budget. So we'll just take money from the CARES Act and put it over there. I'm like, these people still need that rent and they still need that mortgage relief. What are we going to do? Right. I'm not going to. So when I was doing the research for today, um, I was you know going through Pennsylvania trying to figure out what it's all about outside of, uh, you know, Philadelphia, Amish people in Pittsburgh. Um, and apparently there's a, and the office, of course, but, um, like there's, I was, I was reading up and, you know, finding out about the agricultural side, which is amazing. You know, it's great to see that Philadelphia is number one in mushroom production, even though I don't eat mushrooms, except I do drink it when it comes in mud water. If you want to switch oh. over from coffee, you can't cause you're allergic, but if anybody yeah, out there no. wants to switch over from coffee, muddiedwatersmedia.com slash mud. Um, but, uh, like, finding that out, I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I read about the $108 million that went to the State uh, State Department of Corrections, the Department of Correction for the state. And I went, so the money that was intended to help people out after governments forcibly shut down businesses, told everybody to stay at home, you couldn't work, you couldn't do anything, you had absolutely no way to, to uh, pay your rent, pay your mortgage, pay your bills, the federal government gave them a bunch of money to give out, and then they went, yeah, but we need to fill these, we need to make sure the Department of Corrections gets that money. Yep. And that was after they left all the nonviolent, well, they didn't leave all of the nonviolent offenders out, but they, they pretty much let a lot of them out. They went through and they picked a bunch of people to let out of the prisons because they were afraid of COVID going through the prison system. Right. So they were, and the, our prison, prison system is overloaded, and the non-offenders should be out. And we've got a, quite a few that should be, you know, looked at. Um, so after, you know, they left all of them go, they're like, yeah, we still have this budget deficit over here, and we still need money over here, so we'll throw money over there. That That is the most government thing. It, if you had told me a state did this, that you just said, a state in the union has done this. They've taken $108 million from the CARES Act. 
and it used it to fill a gap in uh, the Department of Corrections. Um, I would have placed all of my money on Illinois. 100, like, wouldn't have even thought about it. It's Illinois. Because four of their governors have been in prison in, like, the last 20 years or something like that. Um, I would have been like, nope, Illinois. Can't be anybody else. And then Pennsylvania. I blew my mind. And we're like, here, hold my coffee. The birthplace of the Constitution. <laughs> the birthplace of the Constitution. They're like, meh. We don't care. Yeah, we're like, yeah. Well, you know, we wrote the Constitution here in Pennsylvania, so we can change all the laws as we want to go. Right. <laughs> no, it was all created here, so we get the right to change whatever we want. Exactly. We that's may what have they think. the Liberty Bell right out there with the bolt in it now, but that doesn't matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and it's what's funny is, you know, all of the. Um, all of the news agencies reported on this, you know, and, and it was just like, oh, this is what he did. Nobody called him out on it. Nobody said, wait a minute, that money's for these people. Why is it going here? That's what was the most shocking thing out, out of the whole thing. Nobody called him out on it. It's like, why are we just letting him do this? Nobody in the House, nobody in the Senate, nobody called him out on this. Not a reporter, nobody. Like not, they were just like, oh, here's a new story. Nobody from the Republican side called him out on it or anything. And, nope. And that like that is surprising, but not surprising because essentially Republicans and Democrats are exactly the same, which is why I think Spike coined the term Republicrat. I'm not sure if he did, but he just started calling them all Republicrats because there's no difference. They saw that there was a budget gap in the Department of Corrections, and they said, well, we need to fix that. Well, all right. Let's make it impossible for the people who actually need the money to get the money. We'll have a surplus, and then we can fill this gap. And yep. probably everybody agreed to this. And it, that's why I, they it did not... surprise me. It would not surprise me even one bit. Um, but, yeah. Don't you wish you could just do that? Just like, just, I'll take $108 million. Oh, look. I have all of this debt that I have over here, and the government gave me hundreds of millions of dollars to uh, give to people. Sure, I'm just going to pay this debt and make it impossible for them to get it. That would be like somebody who, a business who got the PPP loan and then decided they were going to use that. And there was a few companies that did this. They decided that, oh, we're not going to use this to keep our company running. We're going to pay ourselves our salary for a year and a half. And then we're going to shut down and file for bankruptcy. And, you know. Yeah, and that's been an issue. That's been an issue nationwide. Like I've heard that story from so many different people across the country, where people have done that. They're like, okay, well, I'm gonna get the PPP loan, um, and or the PPE loan, PPP, 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 the PPP Paycheck Protection Program. Yes, I'm gonna get the PPP loan, and then they get it, and everybody that works for them is like, oh, this is great. We got the PPP loan. I'll be able to get like some money coming in, and then the person's like, okay, well, I'm closing. Now yep. you're out of business, and now I have this money. Um, so we're almost out of time, uh, but I want to ask you, is there anything that you want to touch on, anything that you want to hit home, drive home, really, really punch? Uh, no, that's the wrong phrase. That's like Biden at the debates there. Um, that you really want to like let people know that you are really uh, strongly advocating in your quest for the lieutenant governorship? 
Well, I think we've actually, we've proven the point that we need tax reform in Pennsylvania. Yes, you have definitely um, done that. We actually need to sit down and look at what the taxes were created for, where that money's going, why it's going, where it's going, because it's obviously not going where it needs to go, and then trying somehow to fix that system. Um, we know that it's a long road. Um, it's one that we're willing to travel. It's one that needs to be traveled. Um, notice how I'm using, <laughs> because that, that gas tax and these road taxes, th that's the one that gets all of us. Um, oh, yeah. So. Yeah, no, that one, that the, the gas tax hurts lower and middle class more than it hurts anybody else. It does. By a wide margin. It hurts lower yes. and middle class. And I don't know the demographics of Pennsylvania, but I'm assuming that the lower and middle class are probably like two-thirds minimum of the state because I think that's kind of average across the board. You're probably right. I don't think I've ever actually sat down and did the looked at those numbers. Um, but it not only does it hurt our lower class, the, the, the lower economic class, it probably also hurts the farmers and um, the, yes. the rural areas because they probably have to travel further to find gas that's at a decent price. Um, not only that, they need gas for all of their equipment. Um, I know the gas that we use on the farm just to mow is crazy here. And, you know, and most of these um, farmers, because of the ethanol in the gas, they're probably looking for non-ethanol gas so that they don't have to add additives to their gas to keep their equipment from gunking up. So it's it's an added extra expense. Um, not to mention that when the, um, they changed the ethanol in the gas, that also um, hurts the corn prices and the feed for the cattle and the other animals. Right. Because that now goes up because now there's a bigger market for that and everybody wants that. So And it costs more to get it in because people are traveling and they're paying the higher gas taxes. Yep. So, yeah, so that's a road we need to go down. We need to check out all these taxes. Um, and uh, Joe and I have talked about this, Joe, Joe Solosky. We've talked about this quite often. Um, so it, it's both of us have accounting backgrounds. Um, he is, um, he does tax, he, he has a CPA. I've done taxes in the past. Um, I, my favorite class in high school growing up was accounting. Um, so yeah, I'm one of those weirdos. So, it, so for us, it's going to be, we're going to follow that money and see where it goes and see whose pocket it's going into. Fair. Um, Joe Solosky can tell me all day long that he's a CPA and accountant and whatever, but I know that he is like a midnight radio DJ host and he <laughs> can lie to me about it all he wants, but I will find whatever station he is on. That is his secret life that nobody <laughs> knows about. Yeah, he, he sounds like he should be on WKRP in Cincinnati. Joe Solosky here with WKRP. Um, well... He may have the better voice, but I'm the better looking of the two of us. So I mean, I, mean, I don't think they, I don't think he would argue. He won't. He would not argue that. Um, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. You said you said that you have a farm, um, Ugly Acres. Everybody out there, do you, do you have a website for Ugly Acres? Yep, UglyAcres.com. If you type in Ugly Acres, we come right up. Um, our Etsy page will come right up. 
Um, is it U G L Y? Huh? U G L Y. U G L I E. Okay. I'm just going to put it into the comments so people can go and look you up right now. Um, buy things from Ugly Acres, people. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> buy things from Ugly Acres. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, do you have cows? We do not have cows. We okay. have chickens. I have 17 chickens. If you if you had cows, I was going to have to ask you to send me pictures of them or ask you to befriend Sarah and send her pictures of them. That would be a better option. Okay, well, I can send you pictures of my dogs. They look like cows. They're black and white. <laughs> she would probably love that just as much. Um, <laughs> because she she grew up with cows, and she loves them, and she wants to have a farm one day. And she... So my husband, actually, they he had cattle, and he has the story that he tells about how he got thrown over a fence by a cow. <laughs> and my husband's not a little guy, so... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm afraid of cows. <laughs> Not really, but I don't want to be thrown over a fence. I don't either. No, I absolutely do not want that to happen to me. There are so many things about livestock in general that I'd, I'd rather take stock of my life than deal with livestock. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let the professionals handle that. Right. I'm okay with like the fruits and the vegetables and stuff because that's what I'm used to. That's what we grew up doing. Cattle? Nah. So, um, oh, I don't think we mentioned it during the show, but you are in the snack capital of the world. We are. We York County is the snack capital of the world. We have Snyder's um, pretzels. We have Utz, um, Martin's potato chips. We have, um, oh, what's the other one? Um, Lay's is over here, I think. Um, we have... Oh, there's quite a few. I mean, you can't go you can't go very far driving through York and not run into either a potato chip place or a snack place or a Starbucks. There's a you know the Starbucks um, manufacturers down the road. Is it really? We've got it all. Huh. One thing. So this is going to be a completely off the topic thing. That for some reason, when you said that, it jogged my memory on this. But this is going to be a very strange sentence for many people to hear. When I was younger, I was a national award-winning puppeteer. And I would go to Hershey, Pennsylvania for puppeteering competitions. And that was where I would win my awards. Um, but Sweetest place on earth. Sweetest place on earth, yeah. So I was in Hershey, Pennsylvania for competitions every year for puppeteering. Now, Hershey isn't in York County. Hershey, I think, is in Dolphin County? Maybe yeah. Dolphin? Something like that. Something. Yeah, I just I, there. it's Pennsylvania. It's, it's I know it's exactly forty five minutes from my house. I know how to get there, and I go to Chocolate World all the time because why not? Right. Um, and actually, I am a snob when it comes to chocolate. People will try to give me like, oh, you need to try this chocolate. It's Dove, or you know, it's Godiva chocolate or whatever. And I'm like, no, give me Hershey. Just give me Hershey. I don't want that other stuff. Just give me a Hershey bar. I'm good. <laughs> Send me Hershey bars. Well, um, I get I get it. Like, I mean, I'm not a snob when it comes to chocolate. Just give it to me. I don't care where it comes from. Just I will eat it. Just make sure there's no nuts in it. Um, but thank you com for coming on. Where so your election isn't this year? It's next year, right? 
It is 2022. 2022, yes. yeah. So, but it, we're we're trying to get a jump on it. Absolutely. So, where can uh, people who are listening to this or watching this, where can they go to uh, find out more about you? Where can they go to donate? Where can they go to uh, uh, volunteer? So, if they go to nicoleschultz.com, Nicole. very easy, myname.com. Um, all of the information is there. We actually have product on there that you can buy. We have merch. So, we have T-shirts. We have coffee mugs. Uh, coffee mugs. Can you see it? Oh, that's that's nice. That that is like morning. Isn't that cute? It looks like morning show kind of. Doesn't it? Yeah. So this one, this one is my favorite one. I was been drinking out of it, but now it's dark, so you can't see it. But when it's it the magic up, ones. it changes color, so it's white. Yeah, we have some of those for uh, the muddied. Wa- we've got the muddied waters logo on them, and when you heat it up, it turns. It's it's a black mug that turns white with the muddied waters logo on it. Yep, we got, we, yeah, we have that. I love that one. That one's my favorite one. Um, we have travel mugs. We have, um, I think there's pint glasses and shot glasses on there, as well as T-shirts, hoodies. So we kind of have a little bit of everything. Um, the donate um, is on there, so it'll take you right to PayPal to donate to the um, to the campaign. So it's all right there on NicoleSchultz.com. We also have a Facebook page. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um, and I think Instagram. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I definitely appreciate it. Um, well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I hope to have you on again very soon. Um, I hope so. We can talk about the post office. Oh, we can talk about the post office. I meant to bring that up, but we got on to taxes and well, you we know. did. <laughs> but I, you, we were talking about the, uh, the slush fund of pulling money out of here and pulling out of money there we'll have to talk about the slush fund that the government has with the post office yeah that's next time that you are on which i hope is very soon we are going to talk about the post that we can dedicate like half the show to how much i hate that department of the of the government of the law enforcement of this country um (laughs) the first line of defense um (laughs) But again, thank you so much. Uh, if you need anything from me, from Spike, from anybody at Muddied Waters Media, please don't hesitate to reach out. We are always willing to help. We we love helping out people, um, especially good libertarians who are running for offices because we want to see libertarians in office. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. No problem. So to everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, honestly, I'm humbled anytime anybody tunes in to watch me. So... These shows just really get me. Um, I hope everybody out there has a great weekend. And next week on Tuesday, you will be able to see Spike and myself right here at a Muddied Waters 8 o'clock Eastern, which means 8-ish, Muddied Waters 8 o'clock Eastern uh, for the next episode of Muddied Waters of Freedom. And then on Wednesday, next Wednesday, Spike has, he's got, hang on a second, I probably should have, I don't know who Spike has. Spike might be in Alaska next week. I'm not 100% sure. But we're going to find that out uh, next Tuesday. And then next week, I have on Scott Schluter. Really should have looked this up. Scott Schluter. Schluter. Scott, I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name. I promise I'll learn it by next week. Uh, And he is running for governor of Illinois. Um, Until then, everybody out there. Oh, uh, if you are looking to... 
see anything about Muddied Waters, uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters where you can leave messages that Spike and I will listen to and play live on the air on Tuesdays, and we will answer your questions, listen to your comments, and uh, gush over your praises. Um, and you can also donate where you can hit the little donate button and you can give us money and we will continue to bring you high quality content like this one and the one on Tuesday and the one on Wednesday and hopefully more soon. Um, but again, thank you all for tuning in. Go to muddiedwatersmedia.com to catch all of the episodes of Muddy Waters Media. And until next week, just have the most excellent weekend. I am... I am swinging from a seven-story window, throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell. It's astounding the legs I'll go to convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help. Yeah, I am waving while I drown. Don't bother swimming out to save me. I will only drag you down. I'll try to use your body as a life raft. Cause if there's room enough for one, there must be room enough for two. I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset. Sipping on savory water till my liver turns blue. Yeah.